Welcome to episode 21 of Cold Take Sports Talk. You're in the right place to hear current sports topics with a unique perspective. Coming at you from just outside the nation's capital in Alexandria, Virginia, alongside Corey Dowd, I'm Harold Laney. We're going to continue with the NFL this week as we're attempting to preview all 32 teams before the season kicks off this Thursday. We're going to do the NFC this week. We've already covered some of the teams in previous episodes, so this week we're going to cover the Bears, Packers, Lions, Redskins, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Panthers, Seahawks, and the 49ers. It's going to be busy again this week, so Corey, let's get, the, let's get it going. All right, Harold. We are going to come out swinging here just like the Chicago Bears did. They finished dead last in the NFC North last season going 9-11. Uh, that did not stop general manager Ryan Pace from trading two first-round picks for Khalil Mack, who's one of the three best defensive players on the planet. What do you think about the move, and does this make the Bears an instant contender? I think it was it was a, a bad move for, for the Raiders. Um, yeah. you, you don't draft and then hit and then not resign a player of that caliber. You don't point to having a offensive player, you know, making twenty plus million in, in their car and saying you do not want to take that burden with a defensive player, right? Um, because if you actually are lucky enough, maybe like the Panthers, like Cam Newton and Luke Lee, to hit on both sides of the ball, right? That should be your core to to build upon because you're not guaranteed to hit on anything with those two picks you get. Uh-huh. They have not been like notoriously great drafters out there in Oakland, so it's not like yeah. you're, you're guaranteed to get a lot back. And another thing that I thought about, too, is, you know, the amount of money that they didn't want to pay him, right? And that's kind of like goes with, like, having two players that make that much. Sure. The way the salary cap's going to expand over the life of that contract, you could very well end up having two players eat up 20% of your salary cap towards the end. And that's not that bad in the grand scheme of things if it's a true franchise quarterback and, like you said, a true top three defensive player in the NFL. It's not that bad of a deal. Yeah, I, I mean... If there's anybody that you're going to make this deal for, I guess it would be Khalil Mack. But you know, first with the Raiders, it, it what what kind of message does that send? To, yeah, that's what I was referring to. Like the Raiders yeah, made the mistake to the locker room yeah. and to the fan base, right? Because you paid John Gruden a hundred million dollars, or you're you're paying him a hundred million dollars. You you have Carr, and th- you're talking about a guy in Khalil Mack that he he never missed a game in the four years that he played. Had fifteen sacks, eleven, fifteen, and ten. But if you're the Bears, this just isn't how you build a football team, right? Ryan Pace, since taking over as, as the general manager, seems a bit impulsive for the position. Uh, all those the trades that he made uh, to, to bring in, um, bring in Mitch Trubisky, you know, just moving up from from three to two, he gave a lot. That was a haul, and now you got a guy in Khalil Mack that basically you're paying like a quarterback. So so think of the pressure this adds in in the upcoming draft classes. Now you have to hit on the, the second-round pick. You have to hit on the third-round pick. And like you pointed out, um, this is a guy, if you would have just waited, you could have got him in free agency last year. Th- this is it's, – you don't want to say both teams are losers in this, yeah. but it's, it's really tough to see the positive because what is Matt going to have to do on the field production-wise to earn that money? Yeah, and it, but in, 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 in this sense, it's, it's okay for the Bears because – Trubisky's not making a lot of money. Right. They don't have a left tackle eating up a lot of money. You know, they, they don't have these other positions. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to follow, like, maybe like the Rams' blueprint up until they just recycled Don, um, Donald and kind of changed, you kind of flipped what their blueprint was. It was a different yeah. blueprint last year. But it's the old Seahawks philosophy, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. We have the Russell, with Russell Wilson. Yeah. yeah. But the thing with Trubisky, I think, like, last year, he seven touchdowns and seven interceptions and 12 starts. You don't have Russell no. Wilson. You don't know if you have... 
that piece to the equation to bring him back into. You could be wasting seven years. Exactly. And that's the thing. I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, Trubisky is not Russell Wilson. Uh, just like the likelihood that these two draft picks that the Raiders are getting are, are not going to be Khalil Mack. This deal is just, it's it's strange, but it's really something that you would expect a team that's like one player away to make this trade, right? Like the Falcons yeah, but or, a, or, the, or the Saints. A, or, a, t- a team that's one player away has probably already paid other players and, but, can't, and can't bring that on. Yeah. this It's is, hard. It's hard. Yeah. But at some point, you know, I saw the interview with John Gruden that he did. I mean, at some point, you just... Remember, we talked about it last show. I said, well, if, the, if they're not going to pay him by now, they're probably not going to pay him, mm-hmm. and you should just get rid of him. Um, you know, I've never seen, after a trade, players and uh, personnel from the from the coaching staff and management be so vocal about their displeasure in the trade. You know, usually you just kind of take the high road. GM Reggie McKenzie was, you know, talking about how this stings and – that's tough, man. That's tough going into season trading one of the best players. And 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 the thing with draft picks, it's like basically capital, but you draft players hoping to hit on one. Yeah, they a, did that. Now he's gone, and I, because the position he plays, the amount that the franchise tag is worth, the five years that they get with him on his rookie deal, plus back to back franchises. You you could you could own a player. It's right. Right. Until they're like 28, 29 years old in the NFL. It's not baseball where you get the hit on that contract that takes you to 35. Right. Six, Mac, seven years. Mac needs, for someone to give him a seven-year contract at $28 million a year, it needs to start at 26, 27, not at 29. Right. You know, so Mac had to kind of do that. Or they would, I guarantee that if, if he would have showed up, they would have paid, they would, he would have played out his contract. They would have franchised him. He right. would have played that out. They would have franchised him. They would have done what they're doing to Le'Veon Bell. To him, right, and and I think that's probably what John Gruden assumed that was, is what would happen. He'd yeah. take the thirteen million bucks this year, and they'd work something out. Mac did exactly what he's supposed to do. His agent did what he's supposed to do. You know, you're you're on a team, but it's financially an individual an individual sport. Um, you do what's best for you, and the team manages their salary cap to the best of their ability. Unfortunately, I don't think the Raiders or the Bears necessarily did that in this trade. So, mm-hmm. so we will see. Well, that's kind of enough about Khalil Mack. What about the other 52 players on the Chicago Bears? And what do you see when you look at this roster? Yeah, I I see, you know, a a sound running game with Jordan Howard. He had 24 or 2,435 yards in his first two years Uh on the Bears, which is the most ever by a Bears running back, which is saying something when you have sweetness running back there for years. Yeah, that's a full room of talent. And then, you know, they brought in Allen Robinson, who had the torn ACL last year. And that was a guy that had 14 touchdowns and 1,400 yards when he was, you know, being overly targeted in Jacksonville. So they brought in some some people there, and they brought in James Daniel, the center from Iowa, who's going to play guard. And they have Kyle Long. So that offensive line has a little bit, even though Long, I think, um, has had three surgeries since um, December. Oh, wow. So, yeah, knock shoulder and elbow. Whew. So that's pretty banged up. Um, you know, I think that offense has a chance to be better. Um, that defense is gonna is gonna change a lot now, of course, with Mac. You know, um, but they were number ten in yards and number nine in points. But yeah, they were solid defense already. But only eight interceptions. So that's maybe what Mac can yeah. do is force a little bit more, some errant passes and things of that nature, force some more turnovers. Well, they have uh, they have Eddie Jackson back there, the safety from Alabama, who is just a playmaker. And you enter Roquan Smith, the middle linebacker that was drafted. Getting back to the offense, though, you know, they need Kevin White to show up. What was he, the fifth overall pick a few years ago? And, I mean, I'm pretty sure you could count his receptions on one or two hands. I mean, this is not a guy that has produced. And I understand there's been some injury there, but 
you know, there's no ability like availability, and he hasn't really been available. Um, they're real people are high on on Matt Nagy, the the play caller that came yeah. from the Chiefs. So there is some pieces. He's there. young too. Yeah, he's like forty, I think. Yeah, he's like our age. And you're seeing that kind of along around the league. You want this younger coach with the younger QB, you know, kind of like Kyle Shanahan and Garoppolo, and you and you sort of let them grow together. So there's pieces there in Chicago. I just think, you know, this was fiscally not the most responsible move. And um, you know, it's like everyone would like a everyone would like a Corvette, you know, but not everyone can afford one. And I don't think the Bears can afford one when they went out and got Khalil Mack, but. He, he's probably going to be driving a nice car sometime yeah. pretty soon. I'd say the bottom line on the Bears is probably an, another year in the basement with too much of their future hanging on Trubisky's development. That's kind of how I, if I had to sum them up. Yeah, I mean, well, Pace, basically, he, he bet the farm on Trubisky before he bet the farm on Max. So so time will tell. But I would agree, um, right now, they probably are the, the least talented team, at least offensively, in the NFC North. going to move over to the... One of the more talented teams in the NFC North, Harold, the Green Bay Packers, who finished last season at 7-9. and nine. Aaron Rodgers is back after playing in only seven games last year due to a shoulder injury. Uh, the Packers did finally get involved in free agency. They signed tight end Jimmy Graham and defensive tackle Muhammad Wilkerson. Harold, are the Packers a contender in 2018? Yeah, they're not only they're, they're a contender for the championship. Yeah, you, know, well, you always are with number twelve, right? Yeah, if you got him back, if you got him back, I, I say your floor. If he's healthy and you don't have some catastrophe like all your corners go out or something weird, right. like you know, if you if you just have a normal injury season and twelve is playing, your floor on that Packers team is probably ten wins. You know, like, yeah, that's that's pretty solid. It is. They, they they need to get him a running back that doesn't wear a number in the eighties. You know, they they had Ty Montgomery that that. He filled in. It looked like he did a pretty good job. And I know uh, this season it looks like second-year running back Jamal Williams is, is going to lead the running back by committee. Yeah. That will also include Aaron Mays and, like I said, Ty Montgomery. Look for Mike Pettin to improve that defense, Harold. He's a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was the head coach in Cleveland. Took a couple years off. I know he had some, uh, some family uh, issues. His, his father uh, passed away, who was like a legendary high school coach in uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Um, but I like Mike Patton. You know, he, like I said, he needed a couple couple years off after babysitting uh, the Johnny Manziel fiasco over there in Cleveland. Um, and and with them getting in, involved in free agency, bringing in these guys, I mean, Wilkerson is a difference maker. And Jimmy Graham with Aaron Rodgers in the red zone, I think that could be fun to watch. That's going to be, yeah, because Jordy Nelson was good. and He was good all over the field when oh, he was yeah, healthy. He so was. you're going to need somebody to kind of re- replace that production, especially in, in the red zone. Like Adams is probably, Adams is a great wide receiver. He's a great wide receiver. But Jimmy Graham is just a different kind of player that adds a whole, you know, dimension Right. To the last ten yards, yeah. and you know it's it's hard to contain a guy like that. He might not be the Jimmy Graham that we we remember being like uber athletic, yeah. you know, in college, and then coming to the Saints and being that, and and then it actually translated to the NFL game. He might not be that way anymore, but he, you know, in a fifty fifty ball where he knows where it's going, right? You know, it's like gonna, an eighty twenty ball. Yeah, he can't gonna, teach six seven. Yeah, he's going to do things to that. And you know, back to Patton, you know, they put two first round, their two top picks in this year's draft into corners, and they got um, uh, Haha Clinton Dix back being healthy. So that that right there, if you, if you kind of like shore that secondary up a little bit, and right. then you, you and now all of a sudden teams are playing from behind more because Rogers is putting points on the board. That's going to quarterbacks change. Quarterbacks that can play like that change your defense. They do. You, you know, they let you play a different style. They let you, and if you're molded to play one way, and then you don't have that quarterback, 
your your defense is going to suffer. Yeah. Blake Martinez too. He's a tackling machine. I know we talked about um, Preston Brown being the leading tackler in the NFL. Blake Martinez was right up there uh, with tackles, and um, still have Clay Matthews, Aaron Aaron Rodgers' uh, commercial buddy. So. I would look for the Packers to be much improved, and, and I would expect them to be one of the teams in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Going to stay here in the NFC North, Herald. Changes in Motown. Uh, Jim Caldwell is out as the Lions head coach, and longtime Patriot Matt Patricia is in. Is Patricia the guy that gets Detroit over the hump, or is he just another Bill Belichick disciple to be a subpar NFL head coach? Um, he's, he's not the guy to get them over the hump this year, and I would say it for the main reason that playing the Packers and the Vikings twice yep. with where this team is at is just is just not a good mix. Um, they're not a horrible team. You know, they were 9-7 and seven the last two years. So they got that. And Matt Stafford is a quarterback in his prime. Like, I think like Stafford, is he's a very good quarterback. Yeah. So And he plays. He's, you, said, you said availability is the best ability. He leads the NFL quarterbacks with the longest um, start streak of 112. Really? So, yeah, so he's extremely durable. Um, the thing that when you're playing a team like the Vikings and you're, you have to put points up with a team like the Packers, being 32nd in the NFL in rushing is not going to cut it, and that's what they were last year. Yeah. Well, so, you know, they, and they brought in uh, they brought in LeGarrette Blunt. I don't know if they you know, and Carrion might... Johnson from Auburn too. Okay. So they brought it. They, so they tried. They're trying to revamp this game, but they've been doing that. They've been bringing in two backs. A year for like five years. Yeah, now. there's been a steady rotation, and then you, they finally let Eric Ebron go in free agency, and that is the same Eric Ebron that was taking two picks ahead of Odell Beckham in the 2014 draft. Um, like you said, this is a tough division. It's got three really good quarterbacks and a young a young kid in Mitch Trubisky, um, who Chicago is definitely high on. I I expect Detroit and Chicago to kind of fight it out for third place. Um, you know, the Vikings I think are the best team, but Aaron Rodgers is the best player. Um, Matt Stafford, he you know he has been durable, like you said. He he's there. He's a, he's available. He plays every week. He's a number one pick in two thousand nine, and he's zero three in playoff games. I mean, at some point, at some point, he's going to have to win one. And their schedule at the, at the beginning of the season, they start with the Jets, then it's at San Fran, then they got the Patriots, and then at Dallas. You know, I I, I think you want to start hot in the first quarter of the season. Probably start three and one. And, um, you know, it's still Golden Tate. That they have the pieces here to, to win some football games, but it's it's going to take Matt Stafford, I think, playing above and beyond and, and probably having one of his better seasons if they're going to make the postseason. Yeah, it's an, it's an uphill sled. Definitely an uphill sled. Okay, Harold, we are going to move over now to the NFC East. In the past few years in D.C., all the talk has been Kirk Cousins and his long-term extension that never happened. Enter Alex Smith, who has been ran out of his last two jobs by younger, more athletic quarterbacks of the future. Hell, are the skins better today with Cousins or with Alex Smith? And what are their chances in 2018? Um, you know, they're, they're a different team. I don't know if they're, they're better or worse, but I, I do think this team has a shot to, be a play, to, to make the playoffs. I also think they have a shot to end up in the basement. It is just, there's just too much going on. Because this is kind of like our local team, you know. So oh, we, it is our local yeah. Team, so yeah. we so we hear things, we see things, people talking around us more than we hear some of this other stuff. And I really can't put my finger on what the Redskins are, are going to be. I like Alex Smith, always have. Um, I think he's a, a solid quarterback. Cousins put up some some nice numbers, but he did a lot of that in garbage, and he looked great some weeks and 
some other weeks left you shaking your head. I don't right. think you're, I think you're getting consistency out of Alex Smith. I think you're getting a fine quarterback, an athletic guy for 34. You know, I, I, I like what he's going to do for the scheme. I think what really kind of, um, has me worried is, um, you're going to be running Adrian Peterson out there. Right. And I'm interested to see what he has left in the tank. Yeah, and that's that's another, that's another piece why I can't like I don't want to count that man out because right. if there's a guy in the NFL that I think could come out there at some crazy age and do some amazing things, I think it's a guy like Adrian Peterson. But also, Father Time's undefeated. Father Time is undefeated, but it's the best of a bad situation. I mean, they got a first round talent in in Darius Geis in the third round yep. because of some off the field concerns. They were really high on him. I have every reason to believe that he would have been the starter, but he's out and. Look, I think they, they took stock of what they had. They had Rob Kelly. Uh, you got Chris Thompson, who's a nice, you know, kind of like Christian McCaffrey type guy. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't really pound the ball with him 30, 20, 30 times a game the, the way that you can Peterson. Flipping over to the other side of the field, I, I like the defense. I like these guys from Alabama that they've gone out and got Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just kind of setting the tone. They also have Ryan Anderson. And then um, – the big defensive end out of oh Ryan Kerrigan. I mean he he's still there. He's steady. The secondary makes me a little nervous. Um, back to offense. You know Jameson Crowder is a playmaker. Jordan Reed needs to stay on the field. I mean he's one of the better tight ends in the league. He has to stay on the field. And to me the you know Kirk Cousins not being here you know that's that's a loss. I think they're better uh, with Smith in the short term. But to me the Skins' biggest loss wasn't a player. It was a coach. And that's when the day Sean McVay left for the Rams. I know there's, you know, they had Jay Gruden. He wasn't in a situation to lose his job, but I think there is a lot of people in D.C. that think, you know, one of the best offensive minds in football was here, and now he's not. And it happens. It does. It does. And and you just you see McVay and what he's capable of, and to think that you had him in your building, and now he's not there. That's uh, that's gonna sting, man. You know, I I really think that's gonna hurt. Um, they start off at Arizona, then they got Indy, Green Bay. They have a bye, uh, week three. That's a t- or week four. That's a tough bye, and then they come back and play at the Saints. You know, so you're, you're that second half of the season starts it's for a you. Long second half. Oh yes, it is. But you know, last year Miami uh, because there was that hurricane. Remember they they didn't even they did, get a yeah, bye. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of things going on here in D.C. But you know, I, I I agree with you. They they could go one way or the other. They could mm-hmm. be the they could be in the playoffs and be scrappy, or it could just all fall apart. The wheels could be off, and they could be a, a four or five win team. Yeah, but four or five actually with Alex Smith, that seems low. No, He's pretty no, steady, no. man. I don't know? think they're gonna. I don't think I you you could end up in the basement with a, with seven wins. Yeah, in that division. In, in that division, you yeah. could. You could. So that's what I was saying. I don't I don't want to make it sound like that's a bad team. Of all the basements, this is probably one of the better basements you could end up in. It is. <laughs> Moving on to another team here in the NFC East, Harold the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas barely missed the playoffs last season, going nine and seven. Des Bryant is gone after years of steady decline, but Zeke Elliott and that offensive line are back with Dak Prescott. We all know that Philly is clearly the class of the NFC East, Harold. But are the Cowboys good enough to win a wild card in two thousand eighteen? Um, probably not. Are you sold on Dak? No. Yeah. Mostly because teams adjust, and you kind of already started to see that um, last year. When, you know, like when it was his first year, and I think it was Cole Beasley, they just had a lot of that stuff underneath. And I think yep. they started just taking that away from him. And all of a sudden, it, it, you saw what the offense was last year. So you know it's not a lack of a running game. You know it's not a horrible offensive line. But it's kind of like when I was, I'd, I'd put this just as much on like the offensive staff, like coaching staff, as I would on Dak. It's kind of like when a, a baseball player comes up to the 
to the major leagues, and he's just like smoking everything, hitting everything right. out of the place. Then they find that loop in a swing. A good player goes back in, closes that loop, and now you never want to throw him a pitch there again because he's made that weakness a strength. Yep. You got Dak's got to. He's kind of. It's the same. It happens in the NFL too. Like when you face a rookie quarterback, yeah. and he blows you up because there's no tape on him. Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to see that this yeah, year. Yeah, then, right. then tape happens. Right. And then you get super smart people watching your tape, showing other super smart defensive players how to watch what you're doing, and then it all changes. And I think that's what we're seeing in Dak. We yeah. saw him come out and just be like a very gifted athlete, a very, not even an athlete, a very gifted quarterback. Yeah. He is a quarterback. Um, and then you saw the then you saw the you know the counter to it, mm-hmm. and now you get to see what he can bring. This is a big year for him. It is. Des leaving, I, you know, I, I agree that his time was probably up. But if you look at this receiving core, so you got Alan Hearns, who's one. Then you got Deontay Thompson, Cole Beasley, Tavon Austin. I mean, Beasley and Austin are both like 5'8. Yeah, they're sure. I mean, yeah. Where is the guy that's going to go up and, and, and go for these contested balls? Um, I, I never like seeing that in a receiver core. If you got a lot of guys that are the same build, you know, like Carolina had Benjamin and the kid from Michigan. Uh, but. But almost built like tight ends, you know. Um, Funches. Yeah, Devin Funches, exactly. Funches, yeah. So the, those two guys, I, you know, I think you need you need the little speed guy that does like what you were saying, Cole Beasley underneath. But you need that big body to go up and catch balls. I know they have Rico Gathers at tight end. I like two of each. I like two speedsters, sure. Two six foot to six foot two guys, yep. and then like two six four guys. You need that. Yeah. And and I don't know that they have that right now, defensively. They they took Leighton Vanderess. I, I know you weren't very high on him out of Boise State. Yeah. You know, going in the first round, playing middle linebacker in that division uh, against Philly. You're going to be going up against Saquon Barkley, um, and they have Jalen Smith. Also, these are two running or two linebackers rather that can that can move. They're big. They're, yeah. they're fast. They can get sideline to sideline. Um, Dallas a little bit. It kind of reminds me of Cincinnati in the sense that I don't know what could possibly happen to get to the coach to lose his job and i'm not calling for garrett to be fired but it just seems like they're uh he and jerry jones are sort of a marriage now at this point doesn't it well and it also kind of if you when, you when you look at it from that angle i think you even though brown and jones are so different as as owners sure yeah like different they're both still that same rare breed where they're very much inside the football operations like very different market sizes yeah very different philosophies very different financial, but they're they're both overly like hands on, hands on. Yep. You know, and when you do that, and they they got their guy, they got their guy. Losing Jason Witten, I mean that's that's got to be tough for for the locker room, if nothing else, right? Oh yeah, he was class act. He was the man too. Yeah, he he was a good tight end for a long time. I, at some point, though, you know, Dak Prescott, he's got to be more quarterback and less athlete. And and his first year when, when Zeke was a rookie, that offensive line was so strong that I don't know if you could really grade him the same as other quarterbacks. I mean, he was throwing from a clean pocket a mm-hmm. lot, and uh, that line is still there. Dallas is, you know, they're, they're always kind of fun to either root for or against, but I'm not sure that I see the Dallas Cowboys making the playoffs in 2018. We're going to move over now, Harold, to the NFC South. And uh, if I asked you the worst way to follow up a disappointing 5-11 and season, what would you say? If you guessed having your starting quarterback suspended the first three games of the year for groping an Uber driver, you would be correct. Such is life for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Harold. Journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick will lead the team while Jameis Winston is suspended. They start off at New Orleans against Philly and against Pittsburgh in the first three games. 
and Winston could then come back and, and possibly start at Chicago. If you were calling the shots in Tampa Bay, are you ready to move on from Jameis Winston and rebuild? No, I'm gonna. I would ride it out with Winston. When when he's playing and healthy, he he's a top talent. Even like in like a top passing talent. I think in like yards per start, he was you know in the top five last year. So he can sling it. Yeah, I think you kind of knew that there would be some issues that came along with him, right? Because he had some he. I don't know what else. Like brain farts when he was in college, even this like serious lack of yeah maturity. I guess it's yeah, like they were the signs were were there, and if you're drafting him, you really I think you just kind of had to go with the idea that you know you wanted something you wanted him to take that step in maturity, and this is a pretty big deal. Like doing something like yeah, doing something like this is is a big deal no matter what profession you have or no matter what you're doing. Right. Um, if the light doesn't go on here then it's probably never going to go on. But, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was possibly going to trial for rape a couple of years ago. I mean... Yeah, it's true. How the light doesn't go on then. It's Professional quarterbacks don't behave like this. And I know it's easy to say, you know, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Just stop. Think, think of the guys that quarterbacked our teams last year. Tyrod Taylor and Andy Dalton. Never. You'd no. never have to worry about these guys doing things like this. You have to ha- hold yourself to a higher level of professionalism, class. I mean, you just you have to have a head on your shoulders, and you really got to question what goes through the head of Jameis Winston at times. I mean, you're not just he was you know you're, you're never just some run of the mill college kid that was out there, you know, making the same decisions that everybody else was. He, you need to hold yourself to a higher standard. He hasn't done that. And you're talking about a team that offensively, they have Mike Evans. They have Deshaun Jackson, who's in his 30s, and Chris Godwin. They have O.J. Howard. I mean, they need Jameis Winston to be out there. And he failed him. He failed him. And, and granted, this might have happened a few years ago. But, you know, technology and people, they're, they're, people have long memories in 2018. You know, you can go back some years, and this is just... It's really unfortunate for for that football team. They were the hard knocks team last year. You know they yeah they looked poised to uh, to do some things and it and it never happened. Yeah, that, so yeah, yeah right, we hit the nail on the head. Mike Evans is a top top wide receiver. Oh yeah, yeah he's a top five guy. Yep. You know, and who knows like if if he had somebody in there that cared as much as some of those other Winston gets by on a lot of natural talent. Yeah. You know, I don't know how smart he is in a room. I'm sure he has to be to come out there and perform the the way he does. But you could add in. Him being like the first guy into a room, uh-huh. like you do with like a tailor. Yeah, you know, if you, if you had someone like that, if he could have that kind of ethic, where would he be? Sky's the limit. You know? Yeah, and I think he is academically pretty smart. I mean, yeah, I don't. You have to be smart yeah. to play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, you have to be nowadays. Um, but you just wonder when the kid's going to get it together, man. I mean, because now this is now on on Jason Light, the GM, right? I mean, you can. Everybody, like Hugh Jackson said with Antonio Callaway on Hard Knocks, you know, everybody gets your warning. You get your one, your mulligan, as he called it. And with yeah. Jameis Winston, man, they're they're starting to kind of add up here, and uh, it's just it's it's not good in a football town like Tampa Bay yeah, with the flux at running back and all that stuff going on there, and Winston being out early. I think the season he kind of already sunk the season. Yeah, you know? I agree, and and that schedule out of the gate, I mean that that is. <laughs> That's not very easy, man. New Orleans, Philly, and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of people that would sign up for that. Yeah. So he needs to be there. He's not, and unfortunately, the rest of the team's going to suffer. And this could cost Dirk Cutter 
his job. He he might be uh, he might be out. Staying in the uh, NFC South, Harold, Carolina Panthers. They finished eleven and five last season. Cam Newton is back. Christian McCaffrey is back. They drafted Maryland wide receiver DJ Moore in the first round. Uh, head coach Ron Rivera is back for his eighth season, and they also have the game's best linebacker, uh, middle linebacker, and Luke Keekley. Could Carolina make another playoff push in two thousand eighteen? Yeah, they're 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 just like in, yeah. like in the Packers. Like if, if as long as Cam and like. Um, you know, no, no catastrophe. You know, catastrophe. Yeah, right. that, that's a playoff team, and yeah, they, this is another one of those teams where I I think that they can make a deep run if that offense can just get a little bit more explosive. So they, you know, you think Cam Newton, you think offense, where well, they're only nineteenth in total yards yeah. last year. So if you need to improve that, and a lot of the running game was put on Cam, he had a, high, a career high in rushing yards last year. So. If you can kind of shift some of that way, um, McCaffrey is a great receiving running back. He might even be a great running running back. But they also brought in C.J. Anderson to kind of bring in that rocking ball. So they, they yep. you know, I think that offense is is gonna is gonna get better. You know, well, like you you said that that uh, last year Pittsburgh threw the ball at Le'Veon Bell like 106, 106 times. times yeah. Well, that's what they need to do with Christian McCaffrey. I'd be throwing in the ball 107 then, um, because he is a guy that's a playmaker that can get out in space. You know, obviously we're not in that locker room, but it seems to me that Cam Newton has to start fast. Right? If if they start zero and three, you know, his body language, at least publicly, really takes a turn. You know, you you've seen him up there with just pouting basically on national mm-hmm. television, and that's not good for anybody in the locker room. Um, you know, playing Atlanta twice and New Orleans twice—that's tough. I mean, you got to deal with Matt Ryan and Drew Brees twice a year, but they have been kind of a model of consistency. Um. Of late, and Ron Rivera is a good football coach, man. I think if you ask most people to name, you know, the best five coaches in the league, he's probably not on a lot of people's list. But the guy is just steady, man. You know, yeah, he is a steady coach. And are they the best team in the NFC South? They could be. They could. Yeah, that's that's but saying they could a lot. Be third. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's that's saying a lot. I think didn't didn't three out of the four teams in the South make the playoffs last year? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. the Saints, the Falcons, and. In Carolina, yeah. Right? So yeah, there. How right. hard is it? To, how hard is that to happen again? Right. And, and which and, one of those teams are you going to check off not going back? The Bucks. That's who I'm checking off now. Yeah. No, not to go. No, back. I understand. <laughs> yeah, because you know that that's if you're Jameis Winston and you're the Bucks, just back them for a minute. That's who you got to deal with. That is a that's a tough group. I mean, just their quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Have they all won MVPs? All three of those guys. Yeah, Breeze, I think so. Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, and you're Jameis Winston. I don't know, bro. I don't know, but uh, Carolina, I would expect for them to be in the mix. That they, they they usually always are. Yeah. Okay, Harold. Over to the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Now Seattle's back-to-back Super Bowl appearances from a few years ago seem like ancient history as we had into 2018. The Legion of Boom has been dismantled. Marshawn Lynch is on the Raiders, and defensive stalwart Earl Thomas has publicly asked the Cowboys to trade for him. All that aside, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are still there along with the question marks of, about their offensive line. Has the window shut on the 2018 Seattle Seahawks? So, I think the window is shut on the 2018 Seattle Seahawks, but it's not shut on this roster construction or, or Pete Carroll. So, I think Russell Wilson is has years left in oh, his yeah. prime zone. Yep. I think Carroll is not a horrible football mind. You know, I think you're you're kind of going through that transition period where you're where they're deliberately turning over some of the roster and having other pieces 
turnover themselves. Um, but, you know, they got to be careful with Russell Wilson. He was the first quarterback in 27 seasons to lead his team in rushing. The first since wow. Randall Cunningham. Yeah. And it wasn't even close. So um, it was like something like 300. Yeah. He had 346 more yards than the nearest Seattle running back. That is awful. So that just tells you like how much you're reliant on your best your best player, yeah. but his best, your, his best asset is his mind and his arm. Not his legs. Not right. his legs. Like right. it's goes in, I would say it goes in that order with him. He, he's, he's very good at working with not a ton around him. Yeah. And a, with a line that doesn't do very well, still can read and make throws, but yet you're asking him to be the leading rusher. That's that's a dangerous recipe in today's NFL. That, that's what I was thinking, though. He, he is probably as valuable to his team as anybody in the NFL, maybe in recent memory. I mean, he the things he does for them, when you actually watch the game, like you said, the running around, uh, he compensates for that offensive line just with his ability the to The Seahawks shouldn't be as good as they are. No, you're right. And their offensive line, it's just tragic what has happened over there. Defensively, you know, they have Bobby Wagner who answers or anchors the defense. He's a solid middle linebacker. Uh, and everybody loves Shaquem Griffin. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. the, you know, you want to talk about the fact that, that he, he only has one hand. How about the fact that the guy runs a four three eight at linebacker? I mean, he and Wagner together, that's covering a lot of ground. Um, and you're seeing that more at, at, as the game kind of evolves into the speed game. These guys that are just good luck running side to side with that guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's one of those things, too, where he, it's not like he doesn't have a whole arm. You know, he, yeah, just like, yeah. he, he, he still puts his arms around people and yes. makes tackles. Yes. You know, he has better form because of learning how to tackle his whole life than people with hands. You can't, right, you can't just grab and rip you, you down. You can't just right. grab, yeah, he's not just going to try to arm, which is like the worst thing you can do in the NFL. How many guys get, just get shucked to the yeah. ground trying to grab onto your shoulder pad or onto your, you know, chest plate as they run by you? And it doesn't work. Yeah, he, he's a hell of a football player with one hand, no hands, two hands. I mean, the, the kid can flat out play. They, they open up at Denver, then at Chicago, then they have Dallas and Arizona. Those are some, you know, there's some winnable games in there. I mean, they they could, there's four winnable games in there, um, but they got to get some help for Russell Wilson. Doug Baldwin, so, he continues to be, in my opinion, one of the best underrated yeah. receivers in the league. So um, their offensive line um, last year, or in, in 2016, which was the lowest they paid, was they were averaging one million a person on, the, on their starting offensive line, which is ridiculous, right? Wow. Um, so now they went out and they got Brown, Justin Brent, um, GJ Fluker. So now they're actually, I think they, um, spent, um, 9 million. So they're, at least they're, at least Pete Carroll's understanding that you can't get by on like dollar store offensive linemen. No, I mean, you, you have know? to go out like any other position. You, you have to pay the better players that are out there. Yeah. And, and I mean, your number one asset's your quarterback. That's basically every team, right? That is every team. So you got to put guys around him that can that can keep him upright. And yeah, Russell Wilson, he should get two contracts for the amount of work that he's doing over there. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. And I would just hate them, hate to see them uh, put themselves in a situation where you know he gets hurt because they have neglected to to protect him. Okay, Harold, we are going to keep it moving here over to the San Francisco 49ers. The Kyle Shanahan era in San Francisco started off slow, or zero and six if you want to get technical. Uh, they absolutely fleeced the Patriots in a Halloween trade that sent Jimmy Garoppolo to San Francisco for a second-round draft pick, and suddenly the Niners' offense exploded into one of the best in the league. San Fran has a young stud quarterback, and with the exception of Super Bowl 51, one of the game's best offensive play callers. Are the 2018 49ers a playoff football team? Yeah, they could very well 
they could very well be a, a playoff team. Um, I thought they had a chance to make a, a run as early as this year, kind of deep in the playoffs. And then um, Jarek McKinnon's knee injury kind of yeah, tempered my enthusiasm a little bit because I think so much was built on what they were planning. To, I, I think you go out and get a guy like that with something in my, like, with an offensive scheme in mind, mm-hmm. and the guys we had behind him just aren't the same. But what is you know interesting about Garoppolo is um, they put up 29 points in their last five games, and they beat the Bears, the Texans, the Titans, the Jags, and the Rams. So those are some good teams yep. defensively. And in their first 11 games, they only averaged 17 points. So they were 12 points better. And Garoppolo was, was a big reason for that. Over you know He averaged um, almost 310 yards a game in those starts. Yeah, it's crazy what, uh, you know, just what a quarterback coming in. And, you know, they had C.J. Beathard in there, and he was a tough kid that, that did the best he could. But it's crazy just replacing one position and seeing how much better the offense runs. You know, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, if, if guys only have to block for, you know, three seconds less than, or rather than four, or what, I think the average play is like two and a half. But you know what yeah. I mean? If a guy's in there and uh, he's getting the ball out in time, it's, it's amazing. Well, you got to look at it like, like it's 33% more time. Sure. One second. Like imagine doing anything that you're doing 33% more. Right. It's hard. Yeah, they, um, it was crazy last year. I mean, what they looked like in the first six games versus the, the last 10. But, uh, I mean, that is a trade that, you know, we talk about the Mac trade. Um, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade for a second-round draft pick after allegedly the Browns were offering multiple number ones or whatever it was to New England um, the year earlier. It's just it's crazy that they got him. So yeah, I read a, I read pick. a little bit. Of, I read an article about this. Like they called Lynch called first, and they inquired about Garoppolo, and then they got shot down. So then they inquired about Brady, and then the phone got hung up. Uh huh. And then as it got close to Halloween. New England called them back. Yeah, that's kind of how it got. That's how I heard it kind of got started back up. Well, it, make, it makes sense that you wouldn't keep them in the in the conference, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right, you'd want to get them out of the conference. But a second round pick, I mean, that just, I mean, that's just giving them. You're giving it away, really. You know, um, they could have got a lot more, but uh, we'll see what Jimmy G can do. Yeah, here he's the, the same kind of year. thing, though. You got it. We got to see the. T- they got Not even just last year's tape. You got to see the tape on him this year, but that offense has plenty of tape out there. So it's not like, yeah, not like people didn't know what's coming at him. Yeah. They still, they could use some, some playmakers. I mean, Marquise Goodwin is kind of a one trick pony. I get nervous because this kid gets, seems like two concussions a year. Um, but they, they, he's fast. Oh, he, oh, he's, he's got plenty of speed, but they could, uh, they could use some firepower around him and, and losing McKinnon. Um, that, that's going to be a big loss. yeah. Yeah. Alfred, um, Morris just doesn't bring the same. He's he's a good running back though, yeah. You know, but he doesn't bring that that same dynamic threat that someone like McKinnon could. He just go to the house at any time, right? So yeah, their all lines going to be good. They got Staley back, Richburg, and they um they went out and got um McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey, yeah, I don't yeah. know her name. Yeah, so that, that offensive line is going to be solid, you know. And they got um um Kittle as I think he's a good athletic tight end that you know yeah could serve as a safety valve as this offense starts to develop. So they're they're in a good place. So if I asked you to make a, a NFC prediction for 2018 season, what do you got? You want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. So I am going to predict here, drum roll, I am going to predict that local, the D.C., the Washington Redskins, win the NFC East going 12-4. and four. Ah, that's, that's pretty bold. <laughs> that's bold, baby. Yeah, so mine's going to be, um, 
I, I think the Vikings are going to go to the Super Bowl. Vikings going to the Super Bowl. I think that, okay. I think that's what it's going to be, and I think it's going to not going to be on the strength of Kirk Cousins. I think it's going to be on on, on, on Cook's legs. Yeah, he's a, he's a player. That's what I think people yeah. don't realize. I don't think they know how good that man is. Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Well, they're they're all going to find out if you've watched any Florida State games. You're going to know, and it, and it translated. He right. He yeah. Was, he was good. He was the good. Game. Yeah. So uh, no, that's uh, trust me. I think they'd be pretty happy about that. Um, and you really got to wonder: is it Super Bowl or bust? With 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 what they gave up for Cousins or what they're paying Cousins, mm-hmm. it's and where they got to last year. Yeah, that contract's going to define their roster, like like how they have to spend the rest of their money to. to to build that roster. That yep. contract's a, a big cornerstone of it. So that, that wraps off our NFC preview. That'll bring us to our hero highlight, where we highlight people and organizations that make a difference in the world we all share. Okay, Harold. Airman First Class Elizabeth Jacobson of Riviera Beach, Florida, was a member of the Air Force's 17th Security Forces Squadron. On September 28, 2005, while serving in Operation Iraqi Freedom, guarding a convoy from Camp Buka, Iraq, Airman Jacobson was killed when her vehicle struck an IED. She was the first Air Force Security Forces member to be killed in combat since Vietnam. Airman Jacobson was posthumously awarded the Bronze Star and the Purple Heart. She was laid to rest at the Forest Lawn Memorial Gardens in Pompano Beach, Florida. At 21 years old, Airman Elizabeth Jacobson gave her life for the cause of freedom. Roughly 13 years later, her memory remains for the next generation of women in war. So, We've taken an opportunity here to talk about a lot of tough guys and a, and a lot of uh, a lot of different units, and it was time that we that we talk about some of the female warriors that have sacrificed their life for this country, and and uh, you know hopefully somewhere out there a friend of hers or a family member hears it and, and can take some comfort in knowing that you know thirteen years later we're still talking about uh, Airman Elizabeth Jacobson and the sacrifices she made for uh, for America. Yeah, twenty one years old. That's yeah. you're st- I was still yeah. a kid at twenty one. Oh yeah. yeah, she was a beautiful girl. Uh, I saw a picture of her and yeah, man, it uh, it's tough, but uh, you know the role that women play in the military. I know a lot of times it, it is a little bit different, but make no mistake about it, they they are in harm's way, and uh, you're a warrior. I mean, you die like that, so uh, you know, may she rest in peace. Yeah, I think women have always, you know, in, in America, have always played a role in wartime. You know, mm-hmm. wh- whether it was active duty or just even like the World Wars. Sure, they were all like kept America afloat, even though they they were doing the jobs that men did when they weren't there, and they were also like even the the nurses in the battlefield, the doctors. Like those are some of the worst conditions, dealing with some of the worst things. Oh yeah, you know. So they've it's, it's we've never been a country that's relied solely on, on men to to do a lot of these things, but. Yeah, that's that's true. you want to talk about like you know sacrificing everything a twenty one year old girl with her life ahead of her. Yep, giving her life, risking it for strangers, people she'll never meet, for for people that never even know the danger they're in or the freedoms that they have are at jeopardy. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, we you know the talk ends up here a lot. You just have to when we have these. And at the end of my day, like, I am I'm an extremely grateful person, grateful for the things I have and for the the people that have done those things. And you know. And all those people that come before me, and you know, I'm just a thankful for person for that. I, I know what's out, you know I don't know what they know what's out there, mm-hmm. but I know there's things out there that I don't know are out yep. there. Yeah, well, there's you could bet. I mean, there's men and women right now wearing that flag on their on their shoulder that are that are out there in some yeah some strange situations. You know, um, yeah, people are away from their families. People that oh, never, yeah. never have a family. Yep, that's a, that's a lot to give up. That's a lot to put up. It,
All right, so we're going to close it out for this week. I want to say thank you for tuning in. Um, remember to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll probably start covering the NFL next week, give you a recap of what's going on, maybe come at you in a new format. But until next time, God bless.